Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you're happy to be here this morning, say a good amen. The Lord has already just so ministered to hearts and in the worship. What, what a great time. What a great time. We enjoyed it. If we enjoyed it, I know the Lord enjoyed the worship directed towards him. Hallelujah. I'm going to this morning, I'm going to do part two. I preached a sermon last week that, that was, I, I just felt like I need to go on with it and go a little bit further. And so we're going to still be in the book of Philippians in the third chapter in the 12th verse. We've been working out of this, this book a little bit here and all last week, but uh, this particular writing of Paul has this interesting how he approaches the Philippian church. Because if you go through this book, you're going to find him talking about thinking a lot. And so... We talked about like-mindedness last week, and I want to expand on that a little bit. My brother Chris was here a couple of Sundays ago, Sunday night I think it was, and he talked about this a little bit, but, but I want to expand on it in a little bit different direction. And so if you're at the 12th verse, we'll begin to read. Not that I have already received or already have been perfected, but I press on. If I also may lay hold, in so much as I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not count myself to have laid hold, but this one thing I do. Forgetting the things behind and stretching forward to those things before. I press on after the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, verse 15, then, as many as are mature, let us be of this mind. And if you think anything differently, God will also reveal this to you. I just want to read verse 16, too. Yet as to where we have reached, let us walk by the same rule, being of the same mind, be imitators of me, brothers, and considering those things, walking this way, even as you have us for a pattern. Lord, we thank you for your word. Strong, powerful. What does it say about your word? Is good for correction, reproof, instruction in righteousness. It's an anointed God breathed word that gives us life and hope inside of us, challenging us, Lord, challenging us in the old man to take on the Spirit of God in the newness of life. And we'll thank you, Lord. I pray that we'll deliver it according to your anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you become like-minded, which in the second chapter... We talked about that much last week. I think it would behoove us then to, to know what it looks like. And so here Paul is going to give us 
some things that I think that we can ponder in our own hearts. And I like this part that he says, uh, use me for an example, and so we will this morning. We're going to use him and, and, and what he's given to us. But this instruction is inspired for edification for our life. This is not just an apostle's point of view. I like to take the scripture that way. Paul did say a few times, he said, he said, this isn't from the Lord. This is just from me. This is how I see it. This is how I feel. And in talking, I believe it was the book of Corinthians that he said that. And so there were times that he had an apostle's point of view. But thank you, Brother Dustin, here some months ago. He said there are views, and then there are heavy views. There are opinions, and then there are heavy opinions, opinions that carry some weight. And so even if Paul uh, speaks to the churches and it isn't direct inspired, yet he from his own heart speaks it, it's a heavy weight and it should be recognized as being good instruction for the church. Everybody understand that? Say amen. And so he's got a mindset and he's talking about a mindset. He's talking about this in the whole second chapter. And now in the third chapter, he's talking about being like-minded, that we think the same. And we read that again, that we think the same. And, but he's going to use himself kind of as an example of some things that I think we need to set our mind for. He's going to talk about in this third chapter, he's going to talk about his past, his present, and his future. And I want to say to everybody this morning that I just hit you. Everyone in this building, everyone hearing this, has a past. You are living in the present. And you have a future. So I'm not preaching to anybody this morning that can say, you know, I'm going to give that to somebody else. <laughs> because you all have a past, a present, and a future. And so... When we see that, what, what the apostle writes, and then he brings it to talking about having this mind, then we can identify with that real quick. Sometimes when, when preaching goes out, we just, like, tune out and say, I've heard that before, just kind of switch off. You know, that doesn't really affect me, switch off. That's not my situation right now. Just kind of turn, tune out the preacher, tune out the word of God. Well, I'm not going to let you do that this morning because you have a past. You are living in the present. And you have a future. Everybody agree with that? Say amen. If you don't, you're not with us. You've already gone on to the future or somewhere else. So let's talk about this. And, and, and in the eyes of this apostle who I would love to hear him preach. I would love to hear him. I would gladly hand over the mic to him and say, teach us the word of God. Teach us some of the things we need to know. And so let's get started with this. What things were gained to me, I counted them as lost, as lost to know Jesus Christ. Pastor Rodney said something a few weeks ago about repentance. Repentance is not necessarily getting down on your knees and saying a prayer of, Forgive me, Lord. The Greek word repentance, metanoia, means to change your way of thinking. 
Because if you can get down and say a prayer of forgive me and don't change your way of thinking, you'll go right back to it. So it does you very little good to say, God, forgive me of something that I'm going to go out and do again. But if there is real repentance, if there's a change of your thought and your mind, then there's some things that are going to be different in your life. You're not going to be the same. I'm not the same anymore. If you're the same as you were before you came to the Lord, you haven't found Him yet. If things haven't changed in your life, if your motives haven't changed, if your mind hasn't changed, you haven't really come to the Lord because you're not going to know Him without repentance. And that is changing of your mind and your heart towards Him. So Paul, he understands that He was a very religious man, and he thought that he was a servant of God. But now when he gets back, he's going to count these things as lost to him and reassess the value of what he was doing as being equal to trash and rubbish. And I do like the translation in King James because it says, I count them as dung. Does everybody know what dung is? Worthless. Something that, that, that this word is refuse, it's, it's scraps that are thrown to the dogs. And so even though that we thought we were in the high life, we thought we were living big and, and, and large, when we get our mind right, we realize something is that, that what was passed in our life really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so Paul looks at this and reassesses everything. And what things? First of all, he wants to, he wants to give uh, uh, this place and show the people that if there's something to brag about, if there's something to brag about in religion and the law and, and being a man uh, of, of, of great zeal, then I had it. He said, I was born a, a Jew. I was a Pharisee. I was, I was circumcised the eighth day. I had zeal towards God, and when it comes to the law, I was there. I was good. I was perfect in the law. And so the things that he counts now as nothing in his life or refuse or thrown to the dogs or worthless, they are those things, even his family, even his race. And, and that touches home pretty good because we love our families. We love those, those things that the people that love us and we bind together with that, but but Paul had to leave all that. He had to leave his possessions. He had to leave his position. He had a great position in society. He was a ruler. He was a man that had some authority according to the priesthood that gave him authority to go out and arrest. And, and he had then exercised that authority. He gave that up. He gave up religion. He gave up the, the effort of trying to gain what I thought was gain, money. And what money can buy. And I look back at it now, and I am older now. I'm, I'm up in years, not as much as some that are here. My dad, 91. Of course, I'm not that, that old. But, but when I look back at my life, and I, and I look at what I thought that I was trying to do, and what I thought I needed, and the money and things that seemed so important to me, I look back at it now, and it's gone. It's over. All the things that I'd really thought I needed, I really didn't need. And now I can look at that and I say, I'm going to count that 
as loss in my life because really the only one thing that I did need the whole time was the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Everything else was just to get us through this life. It's to support us in that effort of knowing Jesus Christ. So Paul, he counts all of those things as lost. That's his past. And I want you this morning to realize that we're just little people. We don't make uh, much of an impression with our life in this world. There, there's no great men sitting here this morning that when you pass, everybody's going to know about it. There, there's no great things that we have done as individuals or together that anybody's going to stand around and say, wow, those people were really great people. I don't think that's going to happen. Our past, our past is gone. Our past is over. And so we must, like Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press into the present. Salvation is always in the present tense. Salvation is not about what has gone by. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but salvation is not about coming down in a prayer. It's not about going in a baptismal tank. That may be the initiation of where you're at and where you started your life in Christ. But that will do you no good if you're not in the present. So present things are, I believe, much more powerful, much more needed in our life than past things. Man, you've got to let go of things past to get anything present. I did a lot of coaching when the kids were small and Rodney was in Little League in particular. He was a pitcher and played first base and did a lot of pitching. And I can't tell you the, the trips that I took to the mound that he had walked the last guy, and he's got two balls on the next guy, and it looks like he's going to walk him too, and he's out there, and he's down, and, and he can't throw a strike. And I go out there and say, listen, and this is a fact, and everybody knows it all the way to professional sports. If you can't forget the last pitch, then the next one's not going to be any good either. You can't grab hold of what God has for you if you can't let go of what has been in the past. Now, I'm telling you, our past is a lot of different things. I mean, we could line up here this morning, we'd have a whole list of things about our past and, and just church past. I mean, we've had things, we've had people disappoint me. I have had people turn on me. I've had all kinds and manners of things that go on in church, and I've been churched. And so have many of you. And I can't get anywhere if I'm going to work in that. And I can't get anywhere if I'm going to work in the disappointments of people. But I can't trust anybody now. People have let me down. 
I just can't, you know, I can't put my faith in, in anybody. I can't, I can't believe in what's going on here at Echoes because, because the last place I was in, things went wrong and things went bad. And, and I thought that I knew people and I didn't know them. And it's just a mess and I just can't, I can't do it anymore. And a lot of people just end up staying home because things have happened to them in Christian life or things have happened. People have disappointed them. But I want you to know this. God has something in your present, but you're not getting to your present unless you let go of the past. You'll never get what God has for you in the now, and the now today is the day of salvation. I'm so sorry that things have happened in my life. I'm so sorry for the things that I may have done or, 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 or the faults that I may have had, but I'm not going to live there. I'm not going to walk there because God has got something right now in my present. There's something so good for me in my present. If I'll let go of that, then I can receive this. See, each part of this is equal importance. You can't just receive more on top of yesterday. But today, today, I press towards the mark. This is what Paul says. And I love this. I love it because I pressed towards the mark yesterday and last week, last month, last year. And I pressed towards the mark, and that, and that was all great. But that's not today. They say, I've been to church a hundred times. I've been to church a thousand times. I've probably preached close to that many. But not today. And I've, I've seen the blessing of God in church, and I've seen the other side of it in church, but, but that's not today. Because today... Today, after such a long time, if you will humble your heart today, God has something good for your life. Say amen. You don't have to worry about what did happen and might have happened and should have happened and didn't happen because today is upon us and today is always the day of salvation. Today is my blessed day that I come in before the Lord and receive of His bounty. Can you say amen? So Paul said, because of this, I pursue after the mark, the prize of the high calling in God, and it's Christ Jesus. I found out some years ago that if we were pressing for something other, than Christ Jesus, then we've missed the mark. We've missed, we haven't got to the prize. If we find Christ, we find the prize. He's the mark, He's the prize, and He is the high calling. You don't go beyond Him to get to something else. He's the finished product. Amen. He is the glory. He is the name above all names. He is, he is the power above all powers. He is the one who is elevated high and lifted up and almighty. We don't try and go beyond him and find another prize. And, and, and that has happened. So much to us in church. So many 
uh, churches around here that we're, we're just beginning to work with. And all we want to do is tell people about the prize. We want to tell them about the mark. We don't want to tell them about Eccles of Calvary. What we want to do is tell them about the mark, what the mark is, because church hasn't produced what the mark is. We've wondered, what is the mark? What is the high calling? I heard a guy preach. He said, I just want to know what the high calling is. I want to know what Athanasius, what he thought the high calling is. Well, I've got it for you this morning. It's very clear. Paul said it. There is a high calling. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the high calling of the church. But if I fumble around in my past, I never understand the mystery revealed in Christ Jesus. And then lastly, on this thought, it is possible to lay hold of him. It's possible. Is it going to happen with a lot of distractions in my life? Well, probably not. Because I'm pressing towards other things. I'm pressing my life, you know, that might be my career. That might be just a whole bunch of things that I'm pressing for. I'm not telling you not to work. I believe working is godly. What it's designed us to do. But that's not the mark we're pressing after. There's no prize there. Let me tell you. I've, I've been a, a builder all my life and then get to the place where I'm, I don't know why I say this. I'm not really retired. I keep going out with them. But sort of retired. And what I realize is I built a lot of houses and, and built a lot of things. That's not the mark. It's not the price. I'll go around. Well, I can't do it anymore because we've only, only built a few houses around here. I can't go around anymore. I used to, Kay and I, drive. we'd drive through a neighborhood. We went through a place where we just framed this and that and look at that building. We'd, we'd go through that once in a while. I can't do that anymore. We don't live there anymore. That's behind. But we're pressing. We're not pressing, putting all of our effort, putting all of our life and trying to find something out of this life that's going to satisfy us. Ultimately, if we can just get to the place where where we're making X amount of dollars, it's going to be so good. No, we're pressing towards the wrong thing. I press, I press towards the mark to lay hold of Jesus Christ. How many of you here this morning say, the Lord has touched me? He, he touched me. That's what Paul said. And now I'm spending my lifetime to touch him. The third thing he wants to talk about here is his, his future. And you, we're going to find it in here when he says to him, to know him. And the power of his resurrection. And a fellowship, the koinonia of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. If somehow I might attain into the resurrection of the dead. You're not going to find any mention here of the American gospel. Say a prayer so you can go to heaven. That's strange to the word of God. That's an American gospel. How many of you want to raise your hand this morning that don't want to go to hell? You want to go to heaven. Okay, pray this prayer. Repeat it after me and you're going to heaven. That's baloney. That's an American gospel that doesn't exist in the word of God. Praying a prayer of forgiveness is not enough. 
is pursuing Christ and finding Him and living the Christ life day after day after day after day. And so the American preachers who it is their effort to get people in the church and in chairs because they represent money are going to preach a message that really doesn't have anything to do with the gospel. You're going to pursue Christ in your life every day as a Christian. That's what you're going to... This is what Paul's saying. And the reward... The reward is not heaven. Sorry. Man, I was looking for them streets of gold and golden slippers and... and I've heard all those songs. My hound dog laying down there beside me, and he's getting, we're getting ready to go chase heavenly, heavenly uh, raccoons and stuff. I mean, it's just it's the greatest. They have the greatest things there, the biggest Ferris wheels, the biggest just, oh, it's just awesome in heaven. Where did you get that from? Okay, we're going to talk about a man who was caught up into the third heaven. You know what he saw? He saw the revelation of Jesus Christ. Sorry, he didn't report any Ferris wheels. He didn't report any golden streets. He didn't report any big mansions so that you could live. And I, I don't want to live in a mansion by myself. That to me is hell. But I want to be in the presence of my Lord. Come on, say amen. And so we're pressing. We're pressing for what? We are pressing for heaven? No! We are pressing for the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that we may attain resurrection. That when we're all done and they wheel us down in front and they say a few good words over us that I'm not looking for heaven. I'm looking for Christ. I'm looking for that Yeshua rabbi that I've been serving all my life and, and really have come through a lot of struggles and a lot of pains and a lot of things in the past and a lot of things have gone down. But I'm looking for that one because I want to see him. I want to, I want to shake his hand. I want to hug his neck. I want to know him and know him without any hindrance of my life. And that's what Paul is saying, that, that I can experience the resurrection of the dead in Christ Jesus. This is my effort. Amen. So I'm going to ask you a question. And somebody needs to tell me. Because I don't know. So I'm going to ask you all a question. We've got some smart people in here. So let me ask you a question. Does our past determine our future? Or does our present determine our future? And once again, I'm going to have to go back. Well, I said a prayer 35 years ago. That's good. God bless you. That's a really great start. But does your past. We've had good friends that felt like that, hey, they went to church and they were years ago and made some kind of a, a prayer statement of some kind, and now everything is good to go. I hate to disappoint you this morning, but that is not the gospel. Your past is not going to determine your future. 
It's a weird thought, isn't it? Can you say amen? Yeah, but, you know, I've done this and that. No, no, that's Islam. Islam believes their past determines their future. And that their God, Allah, whoever He is, that's not our God. You know, some people don't know that. We all have the same God. Well, no, I don't have their God. I've got, I've got Yahweh God. I've got Him. My good deeds outweighing my bad deeds is not what it's about. At all. It's about my faith and trust and hope in Jesus Christ, my Savior, every single day of my life. And that which is past is past. I've made mistakes. I've, since I have been a pastor, I've, I wish I could go back and redo some things, but I can't do that. And so I have to let the past go because I'm not living in the past. And I have to let the future go because the only thing that will determine my future is what I'm doing today. And so I've got this thing that's sent to us from this apostle that says, if we press. If it were things about the past, we wouldn't need to press, right? It'd all be over. But if it's things about the present, then there is never an end to our pursuing and stretching forward, reaching for the prize. May I encourage you, I just... I just believe that our life in Christ is always about our present condition. Say amen. Amen. If you need forgiveness, God will forgive you right now. He doesn't have a problem with that. I talked to somebody the other day. He said, he told Peter, Peter said, Lord, how many times should I forgive people? Seven? Would that be a good one? Every day, I mean, that's a lot. Well, how about seven times? How about 490? Why don't you try that? And if that doesn't work, then let's just make it endless. Now, if he required Peter that, don't you think the Lord himself, would he require Peter to do more forgiving than him? No, absolutely not. He can forgive you in a moment. It, it's not hard for him. It's that, that isn't an issue for him. But, oh, God, you just don't know how bad I've been. It doesn't matter. He can forgive it in a moment's time. But your walking, your walk out in Christ Jesus is going to be every single day in your life because you're not going back to the pit that you came out of. And so then he says, as many as are mature, full grown in Christ, or growing in Christ, let us be of the same mind. Past, present, the future. In this mindset, we keep the fellowship with him. Amen. Brother Dustin just ministered uh, Wednesday night about koinonia again. We like that word. We like that word. It means fellowship. But it also means partnership. It means we belong to the same cause. And so this is how we keep our fellowship in the Lord and in the body of Christ, is that we think the same thing on these matters. Now, I like this because it says that there's room for grace in this because it says this, and if you think anything other than this, God will reveal this to you. 
So he's not revealing something different to you. He's revealing this to you. But even if you think differently, and so we have some people here this morning, you might think, well, I don't really see it that way. That's okay. God's going to reveal it to you. (laughs) So that we all think according to this past, present, and future in Christ Jesus that we're pressing towards the mark. There isn't any other thing. So you think differently about it. It's okay. You hang in there. You keep pressing, and God's going to reveal it to you. And that's a beautiful thing. Amen. So there is some room, some growth, uh, maturing of our thinking and revelation that comes to us. But I want you to know something about revelation. Will you listen to me right now? Do you want revelation in God, revelation in the Word of God, revelation in Jesus Christ? It will never come unless you're pressing. Now, Lord, I'm going to sit on this couch and you just reveal to me whatever you want to reveal. Man, I had a dream. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. I had a pickle dream. It's not going to do it. I had a thought came to me. No, that's not going to do it. Pressing. I press towards the mark. I focus towards one thing. I get my mind set on the right thing. That's where revelation is for our life. That's when he begins to move in our spirit and begin to show us. Who he is, amen. And so I want to go to this last little part here where it says, he says, yet as to where we have reached, let us walk by the same standard, being of the same mind. Okay, okay, okay. We don't understand everything, right? And um, it, there, there's one thing that I want to say. I, do, I don't want to brag, uh, but I do want to make it known. I don't think our church has all knowledge and wisdom. I don't think I do. I don't think our preachers do. I don't think our ministry does. I don't think our congregation does. But to as far as we have reached, I think it says something like, how can two walk together unless they agree? I would never want to go to a church that I didn't agree with. Hello. Well, I just don't see things the way they see them down there, bless God. Well, then don't go. But to as far as we have got, and I've been preaching this gospel pretty much the same thing for 28 years, as far as we have got, we're going to think on the same thing. The Lord might show us more revelation, and and, and that's great, in the Word of God. Founded, not crazy stuff, but stuff founded in the Word of God. And He may show us revelation, but as far as we've come, then we all attain to that. Everybody say amen right there. And that is how we have the same heart and the same mind. So the balance of Scripture and preaching and ministry and teaching and All the things that we've done for all this time, that balance has proved out to be good to walk in and good to live in. And we're just one church in in a whole bunch of churches. We, we We don't have any special thing about us other than that we're pressing and that's That's one thing that we're going to keep doing is we're going to keep pressing and keep Him central in the church. Jesus, you're the center of the church. And so it stays that way 
with us. I've had the, I'm going to say, the duty to work with those who disagree with the church. I don't want to step on anybody's toes now because, you know, we do have some things that are in the past, right? We got some things we need to forget. But I've had the duty of working and try to work that out and try, try to accomplish somehow the same mindedness, you know. But there are certain people who keep in their heart and hold dear to them, wear as a cloak the right of refusal. Very difficult for a pastor, very difficult for a church and the leadership. The right of refusal. Does everybody know what the right of refusal is? I'm okay with it until I don't like it. That's the right of refusal. And then, then I'm not going with that. Bless God, they can, and that's their opinion. and that's a, That causes in the body, that doesn't cause togetherness. That causes separation in the body. So as far as we've come, and you know what we stand for. And you know what we're on. You know what the body's about. You know what we preach. You know what we teach. And, and somebody said, I don't like that all that teaching about Christ. You know, I want to do other things. I want to go on to other, other different things. You're going to have to go somewhere else because that's what we're doing. And as far as we've come, we all need the same mind of Christ. Can you say amen? The good thing is he might do some great, wonderful things just beginning next week or next month. Who knows what God is going to do? But as far as we've come, we're going to work together. Amen. Amen. I've seen the right of refusal in many people, but I've never seen it end well. Mm -mm. But I've had the pleasure of working alongside those who embraced like-mindedness. And it's a joy. And a church can celebrate together. And the church can worship together. And the church grows together in Christ Jesus when we get that like-mindedness. And what a joy in the koinonia, Brother Dustin. Real joy in koinonia is that we get that same mind in fellowship and in partnership. And, and I don't know what anybody else is doing. And I'm not going to tear down other churches and what they're doing and, unless they're preaching heresy. But, but we, that's not our job. What our job is to do is to elevate Jesus Christ in this house. Elevate the people so they'll press towards the mark of the high calling of the prize, Jesus Christ. And when we do that. Oh, what a joy. What a joy it is. So lastly, I've got to where I don't preach very long anymore. I'm way less than an hour now. So that's beautiful. You've been a lot of years with me preaching an hour. So yeah, that's why you're giggling. <laughs> Let me read this last part one more time. All right, pay attention to this. This, this is, this is, this is kind of key. He says, Be imitators of me, brothers, and consider those walking this way, even as you have us for a pattern, for an example. That's a lot of weight on the shoulders of ministry. You're almost 
feel like you have to be perfect, right? Everybody's looking at you, and you have to, you have to be perfect. It's, it's a lot of weight. But Paul says he's confident in this. He says this. In another place, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Because what he's confident in is not himself. He's confident in the Christ that he's following. And I say this to you and all of you that have been with us many, many years. I say this to you. We have some good men in this church. Come on, everybody. We have good women here. We have good rapport here. We have some people that are trustworthy. And I think Paul is saying to them, it's really not me. It's Christ in me that, that I'm following. But, but go ahead and use me for an example of someone who's trying to press towards the mark. And if I fail in that, then don't imitate what I'm doing that may be wrong. But in that pressing and in that pushing and in that 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 leaning forward and stretching out to find Jesus Christ, you follow me in that because there is great consolation in that. There is great consolation in knowing that I'm not the only one who's reaching towards the mark, but I've got friends and brothers and pastors and leaders and elders in this church that are saying the same thing because they've got the same mind. Folks, what we need to do is we need to find Jesus real in our life. You don't need to find some fantasy about the gospel. You don't need to find something going off another direction and another, another thing that, that really doesn't even bring Christ in, but we need Christ central in our life, in our church, in our home in our work, in our families. We need Christ central. So follow us as we follow the Lord that brings the togetherness. Does that mean we're perfect? No. I don't claim perfectness. I just claim I'm present. Follow me in pressing him. Can you say amen? Who's going to follow me in pressing Jesus? Who's going to follow me in reaching out towards him? Because that's where we are. That's where this church is. Who's going to follow Pastor Rodney? Who's coming after me? Who's going to follow him? And son, you're going to press towards the Lord because that's what you're going to do. That's what you've been taught. That's what we're leaving here. And the men of this church press towards the Lord. And you press towards the Lord. Then Families can follow that and children can follow that and strangers can follow that and people will finally say, I want to go out to that church there where they're trying to find Jesus in that house. And let that be our mantra. Can you say amen? I thank God for the beautiful property that he's given us. Johnny said this morning, he said, man, it's beautiful. I said, thank you, Johnny. I appreciate that. And it's not ours. It belongs to the Lord. It was a miracle how it happened anyway. But I don't want people to come out here because it looks like a park. And it does. Man, I could just dance a jig out there. I mean, just, it's awesome. That's not why we want people to come out here. Oh, man, you remodeled in there. It just looks so good. Your kitchen facilities is great. I don't want people to come out for that. Somebody said years ago, and I'm wandering now, but we're, we're going to go eat. Years ago, I went to a, to a church building conference, and this is what they said, that people will return to your church 
considering the first nine minutes that they were on your property. So nine minutes, we can't even get seated by then. Oh, they're talking about the building and all that stuff. I hope people are coming to our church for the last nine minutes. That in their heart, they felt something. They've been challenged. They've been encouraged in their heart. Will you stand with me? God bless you. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for this great day. We think we just gave what you have put on our heart. Lord, if we can get like-minded like this, seeking you, searching you, pressing towards you, Lord, that is what we're after. That's our goal. That's our prize. That's our mark. That's the high calling for this church, for our lives. Lord, and we just ask you, oh God, that each one of us press into it, that each one of us take hold of it, lay hold, lay hold of you, Lord. And we thank you for it, Jesus. We ask you to bless our fellowship and our food. In Jesus' name, amen.